Boy, this morning we are going to start a new series into the book of Colossians. I got a question for you. What do you put your hope in? See, Jesus is the right answer. That's, we're in church. I, I, the right answer is Jesus. I got it. But, but I didn't ask, what should I put my hope in? What do I put my hope in? And, and certainly I do put my hope in Jesus. But I also find myself putting my hope in other things as well. And it could be anything. It could be my, my current job situation. Maybe there's a prospect of a, of a new job situation. Maybe it's a relationship that, that I have hope in for the future. <coughs> Lots of things we put our hope in. This time of year, potentially, we're putting our hope in that tax return that hopefully is coming back. It's going to get us through the next month. Lots of things that we put our hope in. That's what we're going to look at this morning, is our hope. The series that we're going to start through the book of Colossians, um, it's, Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote from imprisonment in Rome. We've already been through two letters, uh, Ephesians and Philippians. These are called prison letters because they're all written while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. Um, but this one's different than Ephesians and Philippians a little bit because Ephesians, written to the church in Ephesus, Philippians, written to the church in Philippi, were places that Paul had planted churches. He had gone there he had relationships there. He knew that church there. But Colossians, a letter written to Colossae, is a place that Paul didn't plant a church there. Someone else planted a church there. So he's writing to a group that he has heard of, but he hasn't actually been there. Uh, if you can put that map up, uh, we can just see what we're talking about. Good old Google Maps. Um, here's Colossae. Uh, and Ephesus is over here. So if Google Maps, I got directions from Ephesus Archaeological Museum to Colossae. It's about two and a half hours with some Toros. I don't think that's what it was back then. Um, but you've got up here, this would be, it's nice having the screen right here. I can like point. Up here would be where Philippi is. And then over there in Italy and Rome, that's where Paul was imprisoned as he's writing these letters. Um, to these different locations. So he didn't visit, he didn't plant the church there, but there was a man, what was his name, Epaphras, uh, who probably during the time that Paul was here uh, for a few years working in Ephesus, made that trip, about 100 miles, uh, to get over here and, and came to know Christ and brought back with him the gospel. And so planted a church in Colossae. And now, uh, Epaphras is there with Paul in Rome. And Paul has heard about a report of Colossae. And, and he's heard about things that they're dealing with and, and false teaching. And that's what we're going to find in some of this letter is, is addressing false teaching. And it's kind of this weird mix because Colossae was a major trade route. It was, uh, it, it, it actually at that time, 
had become less of a trade route, but it still had a lot of different culture. Gentiles, Jews represented there. And so the false teaching that was coming into their church was this mix of Jewish legalism, uh, pagan mysticism, the beginnings of Gnosticism. It doesn't matter what those things mean. It's just they had false teaching coming in, and Paul knew that from Epaphras. So when he was sending this letter, he's telling them what they needed. Throughout this letter is Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. It's just rich with telling us about Christ, telling us what we have in Christ, telling us how to live as a church in Christ. And so our series is going to be Growing in Christ. But this morning, we're going to be looking at Knowing Hope, the first part of Colossians. Let's read in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write this letter to Colossae, to those uh, that needed to hear more of what they have in you, Lord Jesus, to, to know you better. God, to know the hope that they have in you. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to that hope, open our eyes in a way that we can test even our own lives and what, what we place our hope in, to be encouraged to place our hope in something that's lasting by your design and your will. God, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So he says there, in verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So Paul, is, Paul is, uh, has this report. I think I messed up your slide. Sorry, that, that was not in your slide set. <laughs> Uh, Paul has this report from Epaphras. These people in Colossae, they've come to know the Lord, and, and uh, not only do they have this faith in Jesus Christ, but they, they have this love for all the saints. Well, I, I want to have that in me. I want to have that in our church, to have that attitude of, of faith and love for all of the saints. And he says this comes out of the hope. So, uh, because of, in verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So that, that hope they've heard of in the gospel. This is one of those Paul sections that is like a run-on sentence. There's periods in here that are only added in the English. They don't exist in the Greek. It's like a, a sentence that just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. 
Um, so sometimes it can be difficult to see what is this referred to, what is which referred to. Uh, but in this case, you have uh, their faith and love, which is coming from their hope in Jesus Christ. And that hope they heard of in the gospel. They've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. And that gospel, see how this digs deeper and deeper, which has come to you, verse 6, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, that gospel, uh, increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God, heard it from Epaphras, bringing it to them. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. So in verse 6, it says, Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. That is the gospel. The grace of God in truth. Our hope, if you followed all of that logic of Paul and founded on the gospel, which is the grace of God in truth, for us to understand the hope that we have. It has to be on that foundation. So that's the first, if you're following along in the notes, the first filling is that our hope must come from a place of understanding the grace of God in truth. What does it mean by truth? Unfortunately, these days, we really need to clarify what we mean by truth. Our hope needs to be founded on this combination of grace and truth. Truth is what's really true. If you've ever been to the movie theaters, um, they turn off the lights, and everyone's enthralled with the movie that's going on, and you hear behind you, a little kid go, ah, and something hit the floor, and then something pop, and you start thinking, is there soda under my chair? But never mind that, I'm, I'm focused on the movie, and then there's other things rustling and going on in the dark around you, and you have some sense of what's going on, but you don't really know, but your focus is over somewhere else. You're not really understanding or able to even see what is the truth of the situation around you. But then the movie ends and the lights turn on. And you see the truth of the situation around you. You see the sticky mess on the floor. You see the popcorn. You see the candy wrappers. Uh, you see those permanent stains in the upholstery uh, and that, that are just suddenly very evident. That is the truth of the situation around you. The world we live in is this dark mess of uh, difficult to understand where truth is. If you look at the news, you look at our experience at work, anywhere, truth is this thing that's subjective. What's true for you, true for me, that's become part of our culture even, to even doubt that you can even know what's true. It's like being in a movie theater with the lights turned on. The Word of God enters into that as a shining light of truth. And it's harsh. It says, declares man to be what man is. 
declares God to be who God really is, declares sin to be sin, declares righteousness as righteousness, what's right as right and what's wrong as wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't respect how you feel about it. It just, it doesn't matter whether I feel there should be stains in the carpet or not. There's stains in the carpet, there's stains in the carpet. And it, it doesn't matter if I feel like I want to recognize sin in my life. If there's sin in my life, there's sin in my life. That's, the truth is this harsh revelation under a creator God. It says, there is a God who has created all things, and he is holy, and he defines what is good, what is right, what is wrong. And here am I, a creature, one who has been created under God. So then you have grace and truth. And these things, it seems like, how do you mix these two things together? Because in truth, I have the justice of God as it stands. The, the, the creator God demands justice and equity. The, the things have consequences. But then what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. What that means is getting what you don't deserve. The blessings of God that we don't deserve, that's grace favor of God that we don't deserve. How do I put those two together? It requires love. It requires that God would create a sacrifice to bring in justice so that he can bestow favor upon mankind. That's why Christ in Christ is the combination of grace and truth. The love of God to sacrifice his own son for us. John chapter 1 in verse 14, it says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen the glory, His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Christ, we have this. That is the foundation of our hope. If we try to base our hope off of some idea that's not including the harsh truth, our need for a Savior. If we don't base our hope off of the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, then our hope doesn't have the strength. It's not the real hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. So I want to look at three things really quick that are describing the hope that we have in Christ. First off, that our hope is in heaven. It's not in this earth. It's not in this life. And this is probably one of the most critical things that we can take away this morning, is to know that our hope is in heaven, not in this life. Austin is a tech startup city. I've been to many of the meetups. Uh, there are a lot of entrepreneurs in Austin. And a lot of them excited about their idea and what they're going to do. And, um, but in that mix, there are plenty who are finding that their idea or their business or, or whatever their startup company is, is not working out like they wanted it to. And so they're holding on to whatever they can 
whether it's this, this possibility of a new client, or, or maybe you know, they've just been devastated because they lost a client. Their hope is in these pieces that they're trying to just make it to the next month. Now, there's a dream of many of the entrepreneurs in Austin. That their company ultimately be bought out by a big name company. To get bought out by Google, success. Get bought out by a Microsoft, success. You have made it. Now, consider one of those entrepreneurs having come out of a meeting where there was a signed contract with a large company that at the end of the next month, they would be purchasing out that company. Do you think that entrepreneur would be placing his hope in whether or not he would get that client he's working toward? Now, now it's on him to continue and persevere through that month to the end. But would he be, placed, would he be devastated if that one client he's trying to hold on to is lost. No. His hope is in the knowledge and certainty that at the end of that month, everything is going to be transferred underneath this giant company, this giant resource. His hope is not in those things that are... Now, certainly, he's working through those things in that month. This analogy is a pale comparison to what we have in Christ. My life, lost in sin, hopeless, trying to hold on to something of my own to make it in life, and then the purchase of God on my life through the blood of Jesus Christ. It, you know, a purchase of a company is nothing to compare to that purchase. And the future that we have, uh, that when we have endured and persevered through this life that we have to look forward to is so much greater than, than a buyout of a Google or a Microsoft coming and buying out your company. It's a poor comparison. And perhaps it would be a better analogy if, if we also said that during that month, that Google or whoever it is made their resources available to that entrepreneur to carry them through that month. Because what we have in Christ is that from the moment we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, is now available to us to strengthen us and carry us and walk with us through this life towards the hope, the ultimate End, that we get to finally face Jesus Christ face to face and to know Him. Why would we put our faith, our hope, in things that are in this life? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. I don't want that to be my experience in Christ. But Peter, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
just like that entrepreneur, it would be ridiculous for him to set his hope on what is in that month. Set your hope on the end, what's in heaven, who is in heaven. Jesus Christ, and looking forward to that day, the revelation of Jesus Christ, things will be completely different. Where are we setting our hope? So our hope is in heaven. Secondly, hope increases in suffering. Sorry, folks, this is the Bible. Suffering is part of God's plan. <coughs> increases in suffering. In, in chapter 1 here in Colossians, over in verse 24, we see Paul saying, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. He rejoices in suffering. See, he's got a perspective where his hope is set on the end where this is all going. And so he's able to rejoice in his suffering. Now, just to be clear, what he's, he's not saying when he says, I, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, he's, he's not saying that, that there's any lack in the atonement of Christ, that, that Christ has paid for our sins. When Christ said it is finished on the cross, it was finished. That payment was complete. But, but the suffering that Christ endured for the purpose of saving sinners, of saving the lost, continues through his body. The body of Christ, us the church, continue to walk in the suffering of Christ, to be ridiculed, to, to endure the attacks of the enemy. That is part of God's plan, that we continue in that suffering for that same purpose, to reach the lost and save those being called So suffering, suffering, Paul says, I rejoice. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, faith in Jesus Christ, the payment of Christ on the cross, has now justified him. Le legally, that balance, the truth that of God's justice has been satisfied in, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The unmerited favor of God that we stand in. Nothing that I deserve, but just the love of God poured out into my life, this grace and the hope, that's what comes next, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Here I stand, unmerited favor, forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, looking forward to that day of the revelation of Christ when I will see him face to face and, and to to a purpose then that, that is glorious for us, it's worth studying what happens next because we end up in this place 
where, where it's a new heaven and, and a new earth, and they're joined together so that heaven is on earth and there's no more tears, there's no more pain. We're hurt. It's gone. We, we can't even imagine the glory and the fullness of the joy of what we will have in the presence of Christ, even before all of that comes to fullness. Just to be in his presence is going to be incredible. We can't even know the fullness of what that will be. That's where our hope should be set. As I endure suffering now, my focus is there. So it says, verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And it actually demands endurance. You can't choose that. If, if you're going to go through suffering, you're going to endure it. But there's a purpose that God has in that as the Holy Spirit's working in our life. In verse 4, and endurance produces character, changes who we are, transforms us. And in fact, the character it's changing us into is the character of Christ. There's a purpose in the suffering. And endurance produces character, and character produces more hope. As we're going through suffering, and we're looking at the goal, what is the goal? What is this purpose that God has for us? It's to be made into the image of Christ, that, that, that everything about Christ, His love, His kindness, His faithfulness, His patience, all of that become characters, characteristics of myself. And that's going to be full on that day. That hope that I'm looking forward to is when I see him face to face. I will be like him in that moment because I will see him fully. I will know him fully just as I am right now fully known by him. But I don't have to wait until that day to start to realize that in my life. God is working that in my life right now. And through suffering, through the endurance of suffering, He is shaping me to bring those characteristics of Christ that I am looking forward to even now into my life, to produce patience, to produce love, real sacrificial love, just like the love of God laying down in this thing. Suffering. And it strengthens our hope as we look forward to that day. In 1 Peter, Peter even says that those trials, that suffering, is actually going to, to result in even greater glory and greater rejoicing, greater honor on that day. And so we can think, as I'm going through this trial, as I'm going through the suffering, wherever God has put you in your life, whatever season God has put you in your life, as you're going through that, that as you endure, that is accumulating something glorious that you will experience on that day with Christ. It's not for nothing. A friend of ours, um, a friend of ours has been battling one of the most aggressive forms of cancer for the past few months uh, here in California. We were hoping to get to see them when we went out there, but we had sickness in the family and didn't want to risk getting that around. Uh, 
his testimony, as he has posted a follow-up of what's happening in his life, and, and it's, there's been complications and all sorts of things that, that have come up along the way, but his testimony has shown what it looks like for someone to have their hope set on Christ, set on the future. And this last uh, week, the end of his post, I'm going to read it. He said, we have one more round of chemo beginning February 14th. Coming home from that one will be a victorious day. We see God's hand with every, every new challenge. Just as Paul wrote, God's grace is sufficient for me. Even alone in the dark of the night, with excruciating abdominal pain gripping my body and my mind, I can testify that God's grace is in fact sufficient. I don't think I could have learned this spiritual lesson before this. So sending me the cancer itself is God's loving, gracious hand at work as he applies Romans 8.29 in my life. Thank you, Lord. What's Romans 8.29? It follows Romans 8.28. You might know Romans 8.28 is talking about how God works all things, even the cancer, to the good of those who love God and call according to His purpose. Romans 8.29 follows that and explains what that good is that God is working in us. It's connected to that hope. What he's working in us is to conform us to the image of his son. That is the good. So in the testimony of my brother, he's even able after the end of, or towards the end of what's been a very difficult battle with cancer, to praise the Lord. And if we don't understand the glory of what God's accomplished in him, that phrase doesn't make sense. But the more that we see God working in our lives to produce the image of Christ in us, we can look at everything and say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've accomplished in me. Finally, in that passage in Romans, in verse 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what's happening right now in our life. The love of God being poured into our hearts. That's Christ being poured into our hearts. Changing us. Overflowing to produce love in us towards those around us. The final thing I have here about hope is that hope produces faith and love. Hope produces faith and love. False hope doesn't. Hope rooted in truth, the harsh truth. Rooted in the grace of God shown to us through the love of God. That hope that endures suffering, that hope that is set not in this life, but is set on the future in Christ. That hope produces in us, through the Holy Spirit pouring Christ into us, in that hope, 
produces faith and love. And that's what we saw right there that Paul testified to in verse uh, 4 <coughs> Colossians. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints. See, when we have this perspective, this big perspective of what God is doing and the hope that we have in Christ, we see the big picture of what Christ is doing and it produces in us a love for His bride. That's not just Hope Church. That's every church. Every church in Kyle, every church around the world, it produces within us love for the bride because we see that someday every person who calls on Jesus as Lord, we're going to stand with them and there won't be resentment. There won't be hurt. There won't be any of the pain that we deal with even in relationships because all of that will be taken away and we will all be like Christ, perfectly able to love. So when we set our hope there, produces in us a confident expectation of what God is doing through all of our brothers and sisters in this world. Praise the Lord for that. So back to that first question. What do we place our hope in? What do we place our hope in? It's a challenge sometimes. Set our mind where it needs to be. Is my hope for tomorrow? Is my hope for next week? Is my hope for the year ahead in my family? Is it set on those things that I've accumulated? Because those things can be torn away in any moment. I've, I've been to disaster sites where everything someone has accumulated for 50 years has been ripped away. Where, where they were above the flood zone. There's no way. They didn't need flood insurance. It's, it's all been ripped away. They don't have anything to replace it. That can happen in a moment. Is our hope in that? Because if it is, then our hope, has, our, our life has just been devastating. But if our hope is there, nothing can break that. You can't destroy a Christian, a family of Christians, whose hope is set there. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. It's going to be so much better. You can't kill, you can't deal with that. You can't destroy that. You can't discourage that. You can't kill that. That's a hope that's lasting. Because our hope is set on Jesus. On that day we will see his face. That's worship.
God, thank you for the joy that you bring, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of dark hours, God, that you bring joy in that, that we truly can rejoice. It doesn't make sense, but we can. We find that to be true. God, I just pray that you would work in us to set in our hearts a desire and an expectation and a hope for what we have in you to look forward to. Let that carry us forward. In Jesus' name.